Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You're about to arrive to the right place. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Ellen and Aaron Sports Are you ready for it? Now, here is Ellen and Aaron. And a pleasant good evening to everybody tonight. It is uh, November 12, 2021. Hard to believe that we are almost halfway through the month of November. It is the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Podcast. Hopefully you're listening live here tonight. This is my first show back in a couple of weeks. And um, certainly have some good and fun things to talk about here tonight. And we are joined, of course, by the other name in the title. That's Allen. Allen, how are you tonight? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for asking, Aaron. Thank you for, for that, and thank you for being with us this week. I mean, we missed you. Definitely uh, as well. Um, missed you guys here. So I know that, uh, you know, things go on, uh, anniversary, birthday, all those sorts of things at this time of year. And so I uh, really wanted to be here last week uh, with uh, with the Braves coming off winning that World Series. Uh, it was certainly, um, wow, I'm still trying to let that sink in. I, I, I almost can't even – it's a surreal feeling, so, uh, but uh, definitely glad you're able to hold the fort down these last couple of weeks, and uh, we're we're back here now. We've only got a few episodes left this year uh, as we get into the holidays, kind of limits our time, so we're going to make sure that we have a little bit of fun and keep our uh, NFL picks coming, and also we'll keep our opinions of uh, what's going on in the world of sports and our analysis there, keep those things coming to keep you all, of course, uh, entertained, so. What have we got on the show here tonight, Alan? Yeah, the great thing is we're going to talk right right about that. We're going to start with the, the Braves. This is your first show back since the Braves have won the World Series. You're a big, big Braves fan. Talk about the experience of them coming and winning the World Series. It's been over 20 years now. Talk about that. You being a fan. Now it's well, real. 20, 26 years and five days, but nobody's you know counting that closely like I am. <laughs> um Anybody who knows me personally or has crossed paths with me in the last 25, 26 years, 30 years, whatever it's been, knows that's the thing that I'm passionate about, the Braves. Um, and this was a year that didn't start off so great uh, for a lot of reasons. Let's go back to just a, a year ago. You had a three-games-to-one lead against the Dodgers in the NLCS. You fall apart. The Dodgers were a great team. There's no question about that. Dodgers come back, they win the final three games, and, you know, we went into the offseason with, man, we were that close, we had it in our grasp, didn't quite happen. Optimism is what happens every year when the season starts over again, so um, kind of setting the stage right at the beginning of last year, I'm sorry, at the end of last year in late December, Phil Negro passes away suddenly. Um, Don Sutton passes away suddenly. Hank Aaron passes away suddenly. Those are big, iconic names in Atlanta, in, in, in Braves, um, in Braves history. So you have those things happen. You have that, um, you know, legendary people around the team. And then you go into the year and your number one starter 
re-injures himself and he's going to miss some time. And then we, of course, find out later in the season he was going to miss the whole year. Your all-star MVP caliber right fielder tears his knee up and misses the entire season. Um, not to get into the political side of things, but you have the, the, the all-star game get taken from Atlanta. And I think that let the air out of the bag. You had a big year coming into the season and a lot of those things, I do think they had an impact on the team early on. Um, the Braves got off to an 0-4 start, then they won four in a row. And then I believe it was six times throughout the year they would get to 500 and they would lose a game or two. 500, lose a game or two. They, they could never get over that hump. They actually had a stretch in, I believe it was July, where during a 15-game stretch, this was a major league record, they didn't win more than one game in a row. They didn't lose more than one game in a row. So in other words, win-loss, win-loss, win-loss for 15 games. And I remember our, our buddy uh, Tyler Redmond, I, I went to a ball game with him in late, late July, about a week before the trade deadline in Atlanta. And we were talking, you know, hey, what, what have you heard? Are the Braves going to trade um, some of their spare parts? Are they going to try to set themselves up for success next year? And that would have been my thought. That would have been what I would have done. But guess what, Alan? I'm not a general manager. That's, that's why I do this and I, I don't do that. I would have been yeah. I wouldn't be wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Braves, they evaluated where they were. They didn't go out and get they, – they didn't go out and trade for Mike Trout or Bryce Harper. They, they didn't get, go out and get any superstars. They got pieces that fit their team. Um, and they looked at the division. The Mets were crumbling. They were hurt. They'd fallen apart. The Phillies were kind of inconsistent in their pitching and, and throughout the rest of their team. The Nationals had just basically sold their whole team down the road. I mean, look, they traded uh, Trey Turner and Max Scherzer to the Dodgers. So um, the Braves looked at this as still a very winnable division. In the first couple of days or weeks even after they made those deals, it took them a little while to kind of get things churning, but they ended up you know, turning things around and going on a run and obviously getting through the uh, the Dodgers, getting through the Brewers first, and then a lot of doubters, and, you know, they took care of the, the Astros like they did. So um, really, really a, a great – I just I still – it's going to take me a little bit. I think when they raise the banner next year at the stadium there, Truist Park, that's where it will probably sink in that we, we won the World Series. So, But I do want to uh, bring on to the line here with us tonight our uh, our famous uh, weekly guest, Mr. Lou. And uh, Lou, good evening. How are you? Hey, Lou. You hear me? Hey, you're both here tonight. Hey, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. Hey, how it you doing? The, it is right. the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk right. podcast, so I had to be here tonight. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, good to have you both. Good to have you both on at the same time. That's all. Uh, yes, right. it is. Yeah. Yes. So, Lou, yeah, we were just and talking course, about that World Series. Uh, I, I want to get your take from a New York perspective on on uh, the probably not likely World Series champion, the Braves. I mean, they, they had to go through so much to get to this point. Yeah, and then but they, you beat the cheaters. Yeah, beat them, beat them pretty good, too. Yeah. Houston, you don't have a problem. Houston, you are the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so that's your biggest takeaway that they beat the seniors. Yeah. 
you know, but you know, you had your pitcher coming off short rest, and I think sometimes that does them more harm than good. You know, you want to rest up your players, you know, as much as you can before going to a big game, and I think that kind of, I think that kind of, you know, set them off track. Well, my my take on that, if I'm a, a manager, especially in a postseason series, a seven game series, you got a little bit more flexibility. But I think that, that as much as I wanted us to win game five in front of the home crowd, we had that 4 nothing lead in the first inning with a grand slam, and then Houston jumped right back yeah. in. I really felt like even after that game, we've got Houston right where we want them because right. other than Zach Grinke, their pitching didn't have a whole Zach. lot of experience. And Zach. They were using a bullpen game in game six and game seven if there was one. So their bullpen yes. had also been very well uh, overused, not not overused, but they had been they've been worn down. And I think that was kind of what it was. It was almost you know like the the Braves managed it perfectly to right, right. knock them out of the game at the right time in the previous couple games, and it, it, it put Houston in a position where they're going to have to really pull a rabbit out of a hat in order to win this series and. Early on in Game Six, I tell you, um, my uh, all the things as a Braves fan for the last thirty years that were running through my mind were three games to two lead in '91 in the World Series and lost, uh, two games to none lead in '96 uh, World Series against the Yankees and lost. Uh, what happened mm-hmm. last year? Um, so all those things are running through my mind. Like we give the Astros any sort of, you know, anything they can grasp at this point, they're going to take advantage of it and. When Jorge Soler hit that home run uh, to left field, it still doesn't oh, yeah. come down, by the way. Still doesn't come down, by the way. Um, I, I, I had a feeling it was going to be a, a very good night. So uh, it certainly was, and um, yeah. can't be happier yeah. <laughs> at this point. So. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Aaron thinks uh, he, sh- he should uh, be getting the spotlight like our former guest, Tyler Redmond. <laughs> well, I gotta, I gotta get me one of those. Uh, I gotta get me one of those uh, jackets that he got the, uh, the the hoodie there. So I've got a hat coming. That'll be nice uh, here before too long. Definitely have uh, right. swept in and picked up some merchandise here and there and some memorabilia. And my plan is to be at the opening day um, ceremony next season where they raise the banner and give out the rings. I think that'll be a, a really neat uh, experience, once in a lifetime type of thing. So. Um, but, uh, you know, this is a great, uh, great feeling. I think that, uh, you think about Atlanta in all its sports history and, you know, you think about the sports teams they have, you get the Hawks and the NBA, uh, you've had a couple of NHL teams that didn't do well, uh, well there and moved to other cities. Yeah. Braves have been there you mean for like one, Atlanta? five years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not only failed once, but twice. Yeah, yeah, you had the the Flames, and then you had the what was it, the Thrashers that ended up uh, also uh, splitting town. So, yeah. you know, we were in the World Series five times in the '90s, and we only won once. Um, yeah, you can thank your Yankees for two of those uh, mis uh, mishaps, whatever you no want hard, to call it. And, no hard feelings. No, not at all. It, it, you know what? We won this year, so that's that's really what matters. But you get the Falcons yeah. too, and. You know, the other thing that was going through my mind is Atlanta has mm-hmm. a history of sporting disasters, and the other thing that went yeah. through my mind was 28-3 to in the third quarter in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and they ended up losing that. So, 
So a lot of those things, until that final out was recorded, I, I just kind of was on pins and needles. And um, I will say this. I don't recall uh, if, uh, Lou, you were listening to our show back in February, which it was exactly I think it was. nine months ago today, now that I look at the calendar. We had Chip Carey on, and I told him at the end of that show, the Braves are going to win the World Series this year. And his reply to me was, from your lips to God's ears. So, so that You uh, had Chip on? Out. Yeah, we had Chip on back in uh, really back in, back in February. Yep. I think That's I impressive. remember that. And anybody wants to hear that show, as I say, if anybody wants to hear that show, uh, you can go back and and, and uh, pull it up on our uh, iHeartRadio uh, app. To, I've always wanted to talk to Chip. Yeah, he was a, he was a great guest. We were only expecting maybe I don't know fifteen or twenty minutes out of him, and he was on for an hour and fifteen minutes. So yeah, I've always I've uh, always wanted to talk to Chip. Actually, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. I wish we had him. So I would talk to him. <laughs> you can't so forget you Harry. Come on. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I yeah. I grew up I grew up um, even though I'm a Braves fan, I grew up still watching. Cubs games on WGN in the afternoon when I got home from high school, and yeah. you know, seeing him from the late '80s to the early '90s and mid '90s, uh, really, I would sometimes only turn on a Cubs game for the seventh inning stretch, and that was about all I watched. And then I'd go back right. to whatever I was doing. So, yeah. Well, if you want to really talk about you know a sorry team in our college football, college football, well, I've got one for you. Go right ahead. Oh, yeah, the, UConn, yeah. the UConn Huskies, a pathetic team indeed. And <laughs> guess who is going to be the coach now? I heard it's uh, Jim Mora Jr. Yeah, well, I can only say one thing about that. What's that? The playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? <laughs> playoffs. Playoffs. Well, they're definitely not going to the playoffs at UConn. They're, that's a basketball The playoffs. Team. Yeah. <laughs> When I heard the name, when I heard the name Jim Moore, I'm like, uh oh, here it comes, here it comes. Yeah, that great yeah, line. Like, from, I believe he was coaching at that. Uh, was he with the Colts when he did that, or was he with the Saints still? Yeah, no, with the Colts. Colts, okay, yeah. But still, you're going to you're going to a, you're going to one of the worst teams in college football history, and all I could say is to two words, I'm sorry. It happens. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta find some silver lining. Oh, in there, but from I bad suppose, to worse, so. man, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't they been through enough? They gotta get more. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had moderate success in the NFL when he was with the, the Falcons. Um, ended up, I believe, he was uh, briefly the head coach with the the, the, the uh, Seahawks uh, before they ended oh, up the with Carroll. Yeah. And then, of course, he was at UCLA for for several years before they. Yes. Before they dismissed him, so you know, good for Both him to get another. Died. Yeah, good, good, good for him to, to get another gig. Um, oh yeah, probably but not. You had to go to the worst team in college football. Come on, yeah, it's gonna be hard to it's gonna be hard to to build on those things. That that will really show the true character of him as a coach, though, because if he's able to even have a 500 season next year, that's an improvement uh, definitely over what they've done the last several years. Yeah, but this is like a punishment that's even worse than death. Yeah, no, and, and college football is so hard now, I think even more so than it used to be because the transfer portal has changed. It used to be if you were going from one school to another, you had to 
transfer. You had to take a year off. You lost a year of eligibility. Off, yeah. and, you, and you couldn't play for another year. Now, I mean, there's a guy, I don't remember who he is, on uh, on Alabama who was in the playoffs last year playing for Ohio State. And I think he ran back a touchdown for uh, a kickoff for a touchdown, rather. So it's changed a lot. And I like that better. I think it's better to have guys don't need to lose eligibility time. That's really not a fair thing. No, no. Because they might, you know, they go to a school where they thought they were going to get a chance to play and maybe they got hurt or somebody else came in and started playing better than them. And they know that their chances of playing are, are very short. So they got to, you got to look out for number one sometimes. So um, I tell you what, though, I don't know who you follow up in uh, in the New York neck of the woods, but uh, I'm a Rutgers. Rutgers, okay. And, and don't get me wrong, I I like uh, Greg Schiano. I think he's a, he's certainly a good college coach. He didn't do so well yeah, in the NFL. Yeah, but they're another sorry ass team. <laughs> I'm not sure what their record is this year, but uh, I not follow. Good. Well, uh, three good. and three and three and five. All right, fair enough. <laughs> mm. I follow, and I, I as much as I bleed. Um, colors. I also bleed orange and blue for my Florida Gators, and we have right. fallen on some really hard times at Florida, to the tune of, I'm ready for us to blow it up and start over again. So, yeah. Um, and Alan, who do you follow in college football? I know that sometimes in the Northeast there's not as much of uh, exposure to college football as there is the NFL. So, who do you follow up? Who do you follow up? In? Yeah, yeah. With me, and when it comes to college football, you know, I have to, I have to go with the Miami Hurricanes. They, they do a, a good job of advertising them for people up north, and it's, it's tough because you're right. It is when you're up north, you don't get as much exposure to, to college teams. So the Hurricanes is a team that they do a great job of advertising them, and they kind of fall the team. You kind of fall in love with them because. Eat them all the time. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of yeah, a yeah, crossroads kind of... there. Yeah, you're right about that. They're, they're, <laughs> they're at a crossroads there now. It might be that the last couple games they've played pretty well, and Manny Diaz may have saved his job for at least another year. But I, I was hearing here two, three, four weeks ago that Miami was looking at moving on. They were looking at um, Mario Cristobal, who's the head coach at Oregon. He's from Miami or from that area rather. Um, this is always an interesting time of the year because right as the baseball season ends, you're right in the thick of things with the NFL. NBA's just started. NHL's just started. And my favorite time of the year in sports, quite honestly, on the football side of things anyways, is the college football coaching carousel. It's always one of the most intriguing things because you've got the boosters who are the ones who are paying the salaries for these coaches. And they're putting their weight and their, um, you know, their put their money where their mouth is and saying, hey, we 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 don't want this guy here anymore, or we want to go out and and bring in this other coach. And so there's a lot of influence. Um, and so it just I find it interesting to see some of the the stories you read online, the rumors that you hear, and who might go where. And 95% of it's nonsense. Not 95% of it's you know just people making stuff up on the internet, but it's interesting to see where things end up landing at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. you know, definitely that's that's interesting. If you had a choice to coach either pro or collegiate, 
Which which one are you taking, Aaron? And also you, Lou. I'll let Aaron answer that one first. Well, I'm going to go. I, I have always found – don't get me wrong. I, I love Sunday football. I love the NFL. Um, yeah. I like – I'm a fan of development. And to me, the NFL is the finished product. Yes, you develop more when you're in the NFL if you play long enough. Um, so the NFL is kind of the the end of the the end of the uh, end of the line. It's the, mm. the 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 um you know the finished as I said the finished product. It's it's what you're going to become, and ultimately, if you're a Hall of Famer, you're a Hall of Famer. I like watching young players that are coming right out of high school that are 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, somewhere in that range. And I think sure. it's a more challenging – I think it's a more challenging thing to, to, to coach collegially because you only have so many years with a player. And if a player doesn't get enough playing time, or even if they do, they might see another situation better. As I was mentioned in the transfer portal before, guys are so willing nowadays to decommit from where they are and move on to somewhere else. And so – uh, I just think that challenge is an intriguing thing because in the NFL, you have two things that you don't have at the collegiate level. Well, to some degree, you have the money. You got these guys who are getting these multi-million-dollar contracts, and because of that, that's a big driver of ego. So I think what happens is, to me, it's more. To me, it's a lot easier. And I'll use Nick Saban as an example. Went from the and he coached in the NFL back in the 90s when he was with the Browns, when Bill Belichick was there. Very successful coach at LSU, won a national title, took his game down to Miami for two years, didn't have success. Now, a lot of that had to do with Ricky Williams getting suspended, and he lost his power running back. That's my opinion right. on that anyways. But he decides, after two years in the NFL – you know, maybe this wasn't the best idea. Alabama's got an opening. I know the SEC very well. And look what he's done in the last, what has he been there, 12 years now. He's won six, five or six national titles. Um, arguably the most successful head coach in college football history as far as the national titles are concerned. So I think it's an easier transition to go from coaching at the NFL level down to the collegiate level than the other way around. There's been a few guys that have done it successfully. Jimmy Johnson. Um Yes. You know, Pete Carroll and a few others. And hopefully we'll see Urban Meyer do something good here. Hopefully um, he can kind of sneak his way out of trouble and, and do something positive. Um, but I would say, Alan, uh, to, to underscore what I was getting at there is I just think the collegiate level is a lot more fun. I, I think the recruiting I process. I yeah, think the, I got something there. Yeah, I, I, all those things to me just spell more intrigue uh, in my mind. Okay, great take. And what what about you, Lou? Well, I've always, you know, followed uh, pro football, I think, first before I call it, before I followed college football. I didn't get me until I get about 10. You know, I always followed um, the NFL first. Uh, you know, so I guess I, I guess I prefer, like, the Sunday games and everything where, you know, everybody was all together and we were watching that. College football got me on a little bit later, but I enjoy that too. But uh, NFL football was always first. So we got a pro guy me, and a collegiate. <laughs> we got a pro. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's turn the tables here for a moment. Who would you um who would you or which which level would you be more intrigued to be uh be coaching at? 
more intrigued or more humiliated? Let's see. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I think I go the I think I go the NFL. All right, all right. How about you, Alan? <sighs> That's a good question. I definitely see benefits on both sides, but I, I'm I'm going to go with Lou. I'm going to go with the I'm going to go with the NFL. It's just something about being a coach of a men men against other men and. You don't have to really, you know, develop somebody as much. It's more like a business, more business mentality. And and I, I think that appeal of being a head coach in the NFL is just, is just awesome. And so I, I definitely would say NFL, NFL coach. I mean, I don't think you can go wrong either way. You're around the game. You get to watch – the development on the on the positive side from an NFL head coach would be draft time when you start watching those scouting combines and aim film and you know all the neat stuff that goes along with that i think that certainly adds another level of of intrigue to the NFL side of things the thing that would throw me though is again as a college coach if i decide to cut you because you did something stupid, your scholarship goes right along with you. You're out the door. You're, you're done. You're paying for school yeah. now. The NFL level, I can yell at you all you want or all I want. You're making $2.5 million or whatever the amount is you're paid, and you don't care. You're getting paid no matter what happens. So. You don't really care. You really don't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You definitely, the, uh, you're absolutely got a great point, Aaron. Collegiate coach definitely does have more power. Even Aaron, even Aaron Rodgers admitted that that they <laughs> a coach in college can. Well, he said they lie. He can. <laughs> he can literally a coach a collegiate coach can literally break you down, and and your yeah. career before it flourishes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But there's only a handful of guys that have done it successfully at both levels, so. And the pros, that's not going to happen. No. I mean, look at Odell Beckham. I mean, uh, OBJ. Yeah. You know, he basically went to to the Rams. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I mean, rightfully or wrongfully, he. He ended up getting his way out, still getting paid. Now he's on a, a winning team. He went from the Browns, which didn't have a losing record, to a team that, you know, right now they're on track to make a lot of noise in the playoffs. Yeah, I've noticed that too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're in great shape there. They're in great shape. I just I wonder, you know, I'd heard rumblings about him possibly going to – Tampa, possibly going to Green Bay. I wonder if it's not to the same specific circumstances, but it seems like there's a lot of drama around him. And I wonder how much of a distraction. Yeah. And we'll, we're going to find out in the next couple weeks. If the Rams start losing a bunch of games here, that was a bad choice on their behalf. If, if they start winning, though, you know, we, we said this over the offseason about the whole Aaron Rodgers, you know, wanting to get out of Green Bay and all this stuff. All that stuff will be dead and buried if they're winning games. Nobody will even remember it if that stuff right. happens. But if they start playing terrible football 
And that first week wasn't very good. We both remember that, or all remember that. Um, you know, there's going to be talk about trading and blah blah blah, cutting them, letting them go, whatever. Um, seven and two, and they're yeah. seven and one with him at, at the helm. You know, all that's just dead and buried at this point. So I think the same thing will be kind of said with with Odo Beckham. I kind of feel like he has brought a little bit of drama, not a little bit, a lot of drama to the league. I think he wants to be that main center of focus. And I'd say to some degree, kind of reminds me a little bit in that way of a PO um, kind of wanting to be the, you know, the main guy of the team that everybody talks about, or who's the first player you think of when you hear of this team, that, that's kind of what he wanted. So, yeah. so we'll see jury's out. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, I think the Rams are in great shape. This could be a, a help or a hurt depending on how things go. Well, I just want to thank people. You can't bet him like Beckham. Oh. (laughs) 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 I had to do it. So, yeah, Lou, what do you got? What's new with Lou? (laughs) Yeah. Well, right now I'm actually actually checking out the uh, World Cup qualifying uh, match. USA against uh, Mexico. I know the score right now, so... But uh, USA is holding their own right now. I think they got a chance to make it to, to make to the next year's World Cup, which was sort of, you know, from the disappointment we had the last time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That'd be good. I know. I know that. Uh, you know, the popularity of soccer has grown immensely um, in the United States in the last probably twenty-five years. So, he in the World Cup would certainly be, you know. Yeah. Something that'll help it grow, uh, grow even further. Absolutely. Yeah, so, you, know, I, you know, I mean, it's been kind of, well, shall we say, underrated, but, you know, it's not like it's, you know, people don't think it doesn't exist because it has. I mean, look what we've done so far, you know, with um, our new with our professional league. I mean, the MLS has been now for 25 years. They're still here. So, obviously, they're doing something right. The NWSL is, I think, making strides, you know, for women's sports. So, you know, from what has been given a bad rap, you know, throughout the throughout the uh, decades and centuries around here, um, you know, it's nice that you know people are finally giving you know some respect. Ooh, good matchup. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I know that the world basically stops in, in some places here in the United States. So you know, everything is kind of shut down for for that period of time when the games are on. I remember being in Atlanta in 2010, and I was actually in the world of Coca-Cola and. I don't remember who the U.S. was playing, but every person yeah. who walked past was on their phone. There was TVs everywhere. I've heard the people put brain surgery for the World Cup. Jeez. What's that? I've heard people some put brain surgery to watch the World Cup. Yeah. Hey, guys, can we do this later? <laughs> you, get the, you get the point. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, some people will do. Some people will stop at anything to watch the World Cup. Yeah, can I take my exam later? <laughs> can I take my exam later? Uh, can we hold the wedding ceremony until after the game was over? You know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, it, hey guys, it, can, you, that... can you bury me later? I want to. I want to catch. The, I want to catch the soccer game before you bury me into the ground. So, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, anything. anything. Yeah, it really is that serious for sure. So, <laughs> sure. So, what do you got coming up on your show this uh, this Saturday tomorrow? 
Besides the bad jokes? Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, we're going to do a two-parter of the MLB Awards because first we have the Golden Gloves and the Silver Slugger. A lot of people think I'm saying Golden Globes. No. Thank you very much. Okay. So we'll have, uh, we'll have part one of that, and then we'll have the uh, other awards with that uh, later on the next week because I can't do all of them one night. Um, we'll look at the uh, New York City Marathon that happened last weekend, which is close to my heart because I've done two of them. Uh, we'll keep tabs on the uh, – yeah, my in my younger years. Yes, I am that old. Um, we'll also take a look at the, late, the uh, race for the uh, Costball Playoff Pool. Our NFL and uh, our NFL and college predictions. I got a great ridiculous story of the week for those of you who follow a certain uh, show on Sunday mornings. Uh, if you saw it, you think I, you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh boy, this I can't even let down. Yeah. So it should be a very interesting and wacky show tomorrow. Usually it's kind of wacky. So if you got time <laughs> between five and seven tomorrow, call five one two five four three four six six two. Number again, 512-543-4662. Yes, all people are welcome. If you have any additional comments, uh, bring it to the table. But try to keep it short so I can get in as many stories as, I can, as we can as possible. So that's all, that's all I ask. Perfect. All right. Well, Lou, thanks so much for, uh, for giving us a call here tonight. Um, definitely yeah. good to hear from you once again. Yeah, most yeah. weeks are unavail- unavailable, but... Uh, I think you can probably count on December 24th. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And then we, we're not – and you also mentioned this, that you're not doing the show the week of Thanksgiving. We are not as well. So that would be the, okay. the last week of the month. How about New Year's Eve? Probably not New Year's Eve either. I think our last oh, show come of the on. year. Yeah. <laughs> I got last year. Thanks a lot, fellas. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, last I'm not going to win New Year's Day either anyway, so, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> I guess we're even. <laughs> See, nothing, nothing on New Year's Eve. Not. There goes my New Year's Eve. Thanks a lot. All right. Well, hopefully you, you guys get a chance to call in tomorrow or before we end the show for the year on December 18th. December 18th. Okay. Yep, so make sure you guys call which in. Ends my, which ends my fourth season. There you go. Oh. It's not, not easy to yep. do that. So <laughs> Say that again. So, yeah, make sure you and call in. Season 5 in January. There you go. <laughs> so make sure you yeah. guys support Lewis. Phone number is 512-543-4662. Again, it's 512 512- Five four three four six six two. That's Lou from the Enhanced Sports Show from five hey, to seven. Don't cost you a cent. That's right. It's free. <laughs> five to seven p.m. Yeah. Eastern Standard Time Zone. All right. Sure you guys All right, fellas. Good night. Thank you again, Lou. Have we a, really appreciate you. Have a good evening. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> have a great evening and weekend. Yeah, that's our great buddy Lou. Always a pleasure to have Lou on the line. Fantastic. <laughs> And then he brought up a great point. So we didn't get your take on it, but what is your take on the whole Aaron Rodgers unvaccinated, vaccinated situation? Man, I tell you what, there's so many ways and angles to look at it. Um, you know, I don't even know where to start because you, you could 
literally in going back and forth on it, you can cross so many lines. So I'm just going to say it is what it is. Um, I personally feel that whatever penalty, and he's already paid a penalty fine, whatever it is, you know, he, he deserves to be fined. Um, the organization deserves to be fined if they were aware of what happened. And I think once you pay those penalties, you just move on. I mean, that's really what it's all about. So, um, to me, this isn't the story to dwell on the rest of the year. I think it's kind of silly to do that, um, especially when there's a lot of good football left to be played. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people, it's, it's funny, you know, when you see somebody who is successful have a moment of failure, a lot of people like to revel in that. And, you know, I, 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 Again, I don't know the facts of everything, and I don't think anybody else knows all the facts either, all the stuff that will probably be kept hush-hush, but I don't think that the intention of him doing what he did was to get to this point. I certainly don't think that's what his MO was. Um, this is just unfortunately how it came out. So, um, But uh, I, I don't think anybody else will be even remembering this in a month. You know, That's how the news cycles typically go. Somebody's in the spotlight for 15 minutes. Somebody else does something, they'll be in the spotlight for 15 minutes, and then it'll just keep continuing on down the road. So how about your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I definitely understand where you're coming from. You know, Aaron, he, he basically, in my opinion, he tried to be slick, and he did mislead people. I mean, it's, it's pretty clear if you are vaccinated or not vaccinated. I mean, you have to, in most cases, unless you get the Johnson & Johnson shot, it requires you to get two shots to be fully vaccinated, that is. So Aaron was, mis- you know, he misled people and lied. Uh, this just not cover that up. And the thing about it is he was more upset at the fact initially that the news came out and the NFL released his true vaccination status. And that's kind of deflecting your culpability, your responsibility. You are a leader. Person asked a question, are you vaccinated? You, I'm immunized. And that's, that's misleading. You know, so you were not vaccinated and got caught in a lie. And my thoughts are that, that they definitely would not have lost to the Chiefs. I feel as if, if Aaron's playing that game, the Chiefs lose that game, point blank. There was a, you know, Jordan Love, you know, it's not his fault. He hasn't gotten enough reps, but he was <laughs> he was steaming Willie Beeman. He was very nervous that game, extremely nervous, like even more nervous than I expected him to be. Like, wow, man, this guy is like shivering his boots nervous. I could clearly see it. And, you know, he struggled. And it's not his fault. You know, it's it's Aaron's fault. That's the reason why they lost the game. In the long run, it's not – a big deal. Yes, it's. I still think they're going to be one of the best teams, if not the best team to beat, one of the better teams in the league. But it's 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 a mark and a stain on Aaron's character more than anything, and and that's what he has to deal with. Like you know, there was a period of time where I was not vaccinated. I had reservations, but now I am vaccinated. I but I never ever told anyone or misled people of where I stood. You see what I'm saying, Aaron? I never said to someone, I'm vaccinated, knowing that I'm not. 
I never lied yeah. about it. Yeah. I took a stance, whether it's vaccinated or not vaccinated, at a certain point, and I stood by that. And that that that's me, you know. But you know, I, I respect him that he did apologize about it after the fact. He, he owned up to it. You know, anytime someone apologizes and kind of reflects on what they did wrong, I, I have to respect that. But it, you know, yeah. it's yeah. just one of those things. And, and to your point on the other part of things, the game, uh, I 100% agree with you. The, the Chiefs are not the same team they were in 2019 and 2020. There's no question about that. And I think that they took advantage of a rookie quarter, uh, first, well, first year or first time starting quarterback, I should say, in, in Jordan Love. And they blitzed him. I want to say it was like 16 or 17 times or something to that effect. I mean, I remember. Remember, they threw that stat up there towards the end of the game and put more pressure on him than he anticipated. And in that same situation, they wouldn't have blitzed that many times. It wouldn't have even been half that many times if Rodgers had been playing. And here's why. if you Aaron Rodgers, if he played in that game and they blitzed him 17 times, he would have lit up the scoreboard because of the way he throws, the way he moves around in the pocket, steps up in the pocket, and is able to move around. He's not the most mobile quarterback, certainly, but he has that presence of mind to know when the defenders and the pockets collapsing on him, he would have been taking advantage of that left and right. And Green Bay probably would have scored 50 points in that game if that had happened. So, so Jordan Love, uh, I will say this as a Packer fan, um, I would much rather your very first start be one like this where you, you face a really solid defense, a team that can shut you down, than a game where you played somebody like Jacksonville and you could have looked like you were a seasoned veteran in there because you don't want those false feelings, you know what I mean? So, you know, ha- had this been a different game, a different team they were playing against, and he went out there and threw for 400 yards and threw five touchdown passes, and everybody's calling him the greatest, you know, thing since Aaron Rodgers, then the next week they play a good team and he gets blown out. So, so I think this is a good a good character builder for 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 Love. Um, clearly shows he's not ready just yet for the the starting, but I think that he will be able to learn from it. Seems like he's a smart kid. Um, studies up the game film, looks where he did things wrong. I think his biggest issue, honestly, was and he's got wheels. He can run. He can he can move around back there. Is he just didn't have any awareness of the pocket. And so I think if he can learn where the pocket's at, where he needs to step up, step over, run to his left, and still be able to find his receivers, I think he's going to be just fine. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't I don't think it was uh, a situation where he hurt himself in the long term. I hope he didn't. But, yes, he, he definitely has the tools. He has a skill set. He just needs to just get a bit more reps. You know, with nervousness, you those things kind of go away when you practice more and you are out there more. You know, he's it wasn't a big game, but to him it was a monumental game because of the fact that he's playing Mahomes on the other side, a mobile quarterback. You know, the people pay attention to these things. And he's playing against a team that went to the Super Bowl last year. So yeah. I think that added to his anxiety. But I you know, he's gonna get better. He's gonna get more reps. It's definitely good that, like you said, this is something he could build off of. I hope he doesn't take it the other way where he's like, oh, man, he, you know, he kind of shot his confidence. I don't hope, I don't hope not. 
You know, you could tell he was trying to get the ball to Devontae, and he just couldn't get it to Devontae on the right side of the, you know, where the ball should be. But he'll get, he'll learn those things. He'll learn those things in time. Yeah, and I think he's a little bit more, um, and I think the reason that the Packers drafted him, quite honestly, is I think he fits the offensive schemes that Matt LaFleur has as a mobile quarterback and also a, a guy you can throw the ball really well down the field. I think he fits that a lot better. And if you look at Andy Reid on the other side of the field, I mean, look, there's a lot of comparisons between Jordan Love and Patrick Mahomes. Jordan Love has a long ways to go, a long ways to go. But Andy Reid, the interesting thing about him, I mean, this guy's had some good quarterbacks over the years. You go back to his days in Philadelphia where you had Donovan McNabb, couldn't quite get the job done there with McNabb. They lost at the Super Bowl to the Patriots in 2005. Um, you know, it took took a while for him to find the guy. He's he had some other good quarterbacks over the years there when he was with the um, Chiefs in the early days there as well. So, Sometimes it takes a while to, to kind of get the, the quarterback and the coach on the same page. And, you know, I was glad for Andy Reid to win a Super Bowl for him a couple of years back. Um, if I was evaluating right now on, on Jordan Love's future, I would hope that Green Bay keeps Rodgers for at least one more season. Um, but, again, you know, at some point, you've got to test the guy. And I, I am glad that he got an opportunity to get his first start in. That way they know where they need to evaluate things going forward. They can evaluate and see what they need to do for him moving into the future. And I really think that Green Bay's number one offseason probably in the draft is going to be got to get another receiver in there that can stretch the field for them. And I think that they're going to be that type of team that can, in the future, you know, throw those deep passes, kind of similar to what Kansas City does. Yeah, exactly. You need to have another threat. I mean, Devontae is definitely outstanding, but you have to have another guy on the other side of the field. But more importantly, you have to be willing to throw to the other guy on that side of the field, you know, and not just get locked into one fantastic receiver. But, yeah, this is – it's a good thing. He's going to get more time, more reps, Jordan Love, and he'll do fine. He'll do – he'll just do fantastic in this league. And, yeah, you got to – you're right. You got to have more than one – guy you're throwing to and that's where the Chiefs have actually struggled this year they put those double teaming Tyreek or put the high safety on top where he doesn't beat you too deep and now the Chiefs have to rely on Travis Kelsey and other guys to make plays and that's where the issues has been there hasn't been too many other guys that can make those plays other than Travis and they don't really throw to Travis too often believe it or not but the Chiefs are starting to make a turn. I think if if one thing that I had to say, if if Aaron was playing, that could have been potentially one of the knockout blows to the Chiefs had they lost that game. And I, I believe Aaron wins that game, no doubt about it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. And I, I don't think that this hurts Green Bay's standing in the, in the NFC as – one of the top teams um, uh, right now, I'd say your top three teams in the NFC are uh, certainly the, the Cardinals and it's, you look at the Rams who are what, seven and two, they're second best in their division. So, so I'd say that the, the teams in the order in the NFC right now would be um, Arizona, Green Bay, 
the Rams. And then I guess Tampa Bay would be the kind of the fourth seed right now. Yeah, I agree. I don't think um I think the bus could move back up there, but I just feel as if they're still working on some things and and they're vets, so they're not the young guys and I, I just think that they need uh they need a little bit more time for everybody to be clicking. But I think the Bucks are, are going to be definitely a team to beat. They have to work on their secondary. They have to get guys back, sit, you know, healthy. And I think they, they're, they're up there. But I, I agree with you in the top. They're number four on the list. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, they were right about that same spot a year ago, and they ended up winning the whole thing. So That's right. And then, you know, they wanted the whole thing. I just – for the Bucks' sake, I was hoping that they had a later bye week, just like they had last year. It was great because their bye week was towards the end of the year and got the the older guys some rest right before the you know the playoffs. Now their bye week is like in the middle, which makes it more difficult. But well, yeah. some interesting NFL news today. Um, I'll tell you what, if we were making bets, I would have probably lost some money on this. Uh, Cam Newton is back in the NFL. He Signed back with the Panthers. Uh, I don't think anybody really saw that coming. This, I think, is almost though a – this is not a knock necessarily on Cam Newton. I just think for the, the Panthers, I think this is almost a desperation move. They haven't had the quarterback play quite to their tune they wanted. And instead of sticking with their guy who they really should be putting their confidence in, they bring back Cam Newton. I don't know if this is going to help them or not, but what, what are your thoughts on that? It is a bit surprising that of all teams, he would go back to the Panthers and especially with Ron Rivera not being there. It is, that's the surprising. I thought Ron Rivera might bring him in for the Washington football club, but not seeing him go back to the Panthers. So it was a shock to me. And I don't know what they're hoping to get out of Cam bringing him in like this. You know, it's, it's basically a one year deal. And it's surprising they would just throw him in there. They they do Panthers have been struggling, but uh, it, it is a surprising move in my opinion. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I would honestly say at this point, this this is his last go round. I, I don't see him. I mean, look at look at the options that he possibly could have gone to earlier this year. You had when. Uh, when uh, Seattle's starting quarterback uh, went down, you had all kinds of rumors about him going to to Seattle um, when Russell Wilson went down. There was another situation somewhere else. I'm trying to remember where it was. that He was rumored to be at least potentially an option. I think it might have been the Bears uh, earlier this year too. So um, I, I think, and I've said this a few times on the show, I think Cam Newton sometimes can't get out of his own way. I think that his, you know, Superman persona sometimes um, doesn't really help him out. I think that ego trips him up sometimes. I think that's that's certainly hurt his career. And I think that hurt him the way he reacted when they lost the Super Bowl in Carolina a few years ago. That certainly was not a a helpful thing. Um, He seems to kind of have that me-first mentality. And that definitely didn't help him out in New England last year. So, um you know, I don't know. I don't know if Matt Rule, who's the head coach of the, the Panthers, I don't know if, if, if this was a smart decision because 
now you're bringing a lot of questions in. You traded for you traded a bunch of draft picks to get Matt Donald, and he was your starting quarterback coming into the year. And all I've heard this entire around the last six months, even when training camp was going on, is are the Panthers going to trade for Deshaun Watson? And my thought was, well, you already have a quarterback. Why are we looking to move on? So it seems like a desperation move, almost like a coach who knows he's on the hot seat, letting the playoff spot slip away. And now you're bringing in somebody who, let's be honest, wasn't really that productive last year or two. Maybe familiarity helps, but this is not the same coaching staff you had two years ago too. So, Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's definitely a different ball game of him coming in now. He's got to learn a playbook, coming in the middle of the season. And it's, it's definitely a different altogether. But I had to piggyback off your point. I agree. I think – that has been a detriment to Cam's career. He's got physical attributes. The guy's a heck of a quarterback when he's locked in. But his, his uh, desire for him living to be me first, and it's got to be more about me than the team, has, is going to be, like you said, there are some people in life that cannot get out of their own way to get a blessing on the other side. And his thing is, you know, the ego, me first, you know, you're an NFL quarterback, you're a leader. You don't have to be known as the guy who's the best quote, quote, sharpest dressed. Cause at the end of the day, guys are looking at you to see what you're doing on the field. And if you got their back showing that you want to be the best dresser and get all the attention for that doesn't really bode well in, in what you're trying to accomplish in a team setting. So those are the things that, Cam has to answer to. I definitely think he's a good guy deep down inside, but he needs to show it more more frequently. For example, you know, I love the fact that he was out here coaching the kids on seven 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 oh seven. I saw him on the field. Him, Deion Sanders, Ray Lewis, they all had their own football team and their organization. This was a maybe about three or four years ago, and he was helping out the kids, you know? Yeah. In fact, Later on, that's you know you know year, couple years later, <laughs> a snot nosed kid dissed him on that seven and seven, and I know that Cam <laughs> does that. <laughs> you know that's today's kids nowadays. You know they talk junk, but he's a good guy. He just like you said, sometimes you just like man, if you would just work on this, this little tweak, do this, stop putting yourself me me me. You know what? You may have gotten yet Super Bowl rank. No, absolutely. I, I would equate his mentality as far as his ego as the kid who makes a little bit of money mowing yards or your report card money or chores around the house. And rather than saving up for that big thing or big item, every five minutes he's stopping and looking how much he has and spending it right away. There's no investment in the long term. It's all short-term glory versus the long-term sustained success. And that's really, I think, a, a analogy of what Cam Newton's NFL career has been. He was great in college. People loved him at Auburn. He, he won a national championship. I believe he was a Heisman winner, if I'm not mistaken, too. He was originally at Florida. He was originally – you know, the reason he didn't play at Florida was Tim Tebow. So he was in Urban Meyer's um, – in Urban wow. Meyer's system for for a year or two, and he had some off the field troubles before. Those are things that happen. 
You know, not going to make excuses for him. He did some silly things when he was 18, 19 years old. Um, grew away and grew up from those things. But, again, like you said before, this is the thing that's always bothered me with him. And I remember this happening when he was with Carolina probably five years ago. I don't remember who they were playing or even what the exact score was, but they were down by 21 points or 28 points or something to that effect. In the fourth quarter, a game they're not going to win. There's not enough time on the clock or possessions left for them to get back into it. He runs in a touchdown and does his whole Superman ripping the shirt open thing. And it's just like, that's the kind of stuff that if I'm a head coach, now we were talking about being head coaches earlier, I'm going to rip you a new one in the, in the, in the locker room for that. You're getting your yeah, butt handed to you. You're getting your butt handed to you out there on the field. Now, if you're if you if you're winning, where you've tied the game up, or you've made it something where it's you're back in this game, by all means, do all that stuff you want all all day, every day. It's kind of like the Miami Hurricanes, and I'm not trying to rip on them necessarily, but they have that thing they've been doing the last I don't know four or five years, the whole uh, turnover chain. They had a game earlier this year where. They were getting blasted by somebody. I don't know who it was. I mean, by a lot. It, it was a, a big deficit. <laughs> and they get a turnover, and they go to the sidelines and do the whole – it's like, you know, you should really only do that when you're actually in the game. If you're getting your behind spanked, you know, that crap needs to hold off. And that, that's where I think the, the sports has changed a lot from when I was a kid until now. Time to celebrate isn't – in the first quarter when he scored the first points of the game. Yeah, you can you can throw your arms in the air and, and shout and everything like that, but you haven't won that game yet. Play the whole game and then do all that stuff, you know? So, you know, it's like, uh, it's like uh, what's his name said? You know, you play to win the game. And, you know, I mean. Herm Edwards, yep. Herm Edwards, yeah. One of, my, one of my all-time favorite people in the NFL and probably – Probably, if, I think a lot of people probably don't even understand why he was saying that, to be quite frank with you. Um, he's a no-nonsense coach, but he also likes to joke around, which doesn't make sense. He, he's got a very good sense of humor, but he puts the, the business first and then the fun second. So I think that's a good example of how, you know, how somebody should be. Yeah, you gotta you got to stay humble. you got to stay hungry. And, you know, football, as I told my kids when I was teaching them the sport, one of the rules of football that you got to learn right off the bat, very important, is that football is a team game. It's not a me first. It's a team game. So you cannot expect, even if you are the number one player on the team, for you to get the ball or them to run run or pass you all the time. It's a team game. Yeah, it takes a, it takes a full team to, to to make everything happen, especially on the offensive side of the football, because you've got to have a line that knows to block in a certain direction. You've got to have receivers who run the routes the right way, and sometimes those routes are set up and designed to throw the defense off. It's a decoy, so you've got to be able to do those right things and. This is why it annoys me when you see players, and I'll go back a few years here. Terrell Owens was one of the ones that just always irked me. Chad Johnson was the same way. Just the the loud mouth, talking. I don't mind you talking smack when you're doing well. That's perfectly fine. But remember how his tenure in San Francisco came to an end? He goes to Philadelphia. 
everything is great. First year there, they go to the Super Bowl. And then the next year, everything is going the opposite direction. He's throwing his quarterback under the bus like he did in San Francisco. Everybody sucks. I hate these people. He's, he, his agent's talking for him now. He never, he never stopped and thought, you know what? I'm a part of a team. Let me just fit in with this team. He, it was always about him. So it's, it's kind of that same thing with, with, uh, with Cam. And there's a few other guys you could probably point out that are like that. And those are the guys that I try to stay away from. If I was a general manager of a football team, you might be one of the best players in the league. I don't necessarily think I'd want somebody like that because I think they become a distraction, and I think they, they, they really can hurt your team in the long run. No, I absolutely agree. You know, there's a time and a place for everything. And, you know, you, you hurt your team when you do things that are me behavior, you know, pounding your chest when you're down. Now, especially with the NFL, you get penalized for taunting. You know, that's the thing. You got you to gotta make sure that you get out of your own way. And it's a team game. So make sure you never forget that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so what else we have on the docket here tonight? Yeah, so definitely want to thank Top Rank Boxing for allowing us to be in the press conferences for Terrence Bud Crawford as well as Showtime Showtime Sean Porter. Definitely, before I tell you how it went, I want to thank Top Rank Boxing for allowing us the access, and that doesn't go without being really gratitude and really gracious because. The fight's on November 20th. This is, it's almost showtime to allow us into the, the press conference. was amazing. This is the first time, Aaron, that they actually had two press conferences. And the reason why is because one of the fighters had technical difficulties the day of their press conference. And then everybody thought that was pretty much it. We did the press conference with the one fighter. And then, lo and behold, they sent Friday which is the first I've never had a number one, a boxer not show up at a press conference. And number two, they actually rescheduled it, which I was shocked, you know, (laughs) figured, you know, he just blew it off and that was the end of it. But no, they, they went ahead and unbeknownst to us until they told us they rescheduled it. And I got to give Showtime Sean Porter a lot of credit and I really appreciate him. And he even liked, he even liked the, the comment I made on social media and Instagram, you know, and you can even watch it on our Facebook page. Sean Porter did not end the press conference until he answered my question. You know, he, he answered about eight, eight to 10 questions. It was just usually standard. And then um, the moderator was wrapping it up and he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got to go ahead and we're going to end this the right way and end it with Alan Alford. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's awesome. And yeah. I, I was like, wow, you know, that was really, really cool of him to do that. I really appreciate it. Sean Porter. And, and with, uh, I know a lot of boxing fans wanted to get my, my thoughts on this press conference because it was such a big mega fight. The thing about it is, my takeaway from this is that Showtime Sean Porter was very, very relaxed. He was confident, but not overconfident. He also was, you could tell the more experience in these particular big fight situations. And I was a little surprised with Terrence. And 
you know, if I ask you a question, Aaron, let me get your thoughts on this before I go ahead into my thoughts about Terrence's side of it. If I ask you and you think you are, like, if I ask you, hey, Aaron, do you think you're the best Braves fan, the number one Braves fan, how would you answer that question? Um, I mean, I'm going to be humble about it. I think I'm a big one uh, as far as being a fan of the team. Am I the biggest? I, I can't really say. Um, I mean, that, that's that's an honest answer there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that's fair, but Terrence was a little shocking in his answer when I had basically asked him if he thought he was number one welterweight. He basically said that he thought he was number one because he beat a particular boxer, and the boxer that he's talking about, Jeff Horn, isn't one of the elite boxers in the, in the division. And I was surprised that he would say he's number one because he beat somebody who isn't the top. But for me, Terrence is a very talented and gifted boxer. If you watch on our Facebook page how Bob Arum describes Terrence's abilities and how great he is, it's like you cannot give a better compliment about a boxer. And then I asked the actual boxer, do you agree with what he said? And do you feel as if you're the best? And you talk about a guy that you beat, you don't even talk about your own abilities. It was kind of shocking. Like, I'm not talking about being modest or humble, but I was really perplexed of that answer. And it was was kind of shocking, actually, of how it, it came across as not being confident at all. And that's how I looked at it. Like, wow, you got a lot of gifts and talents. And like they they. Alan Kornikover said it best when he was eight, nine years old. You can practice golf or you can practice something all day long, but if you don't have confidence, it's not going to matter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can 100%. be great. Yeah. And you can be great and people can tell you you're great, but if you don't feel and believe that you're great yourself, then there's an issue there. My take on this fight, I know a lot of people are asking about it. I, I know Sean Porter is the underdog in this fight, but I think Sean Porter is actually going to be shock a lot of people. I think Sean Porter, I would not be surprised if he upsets and beats Terrence in this fight. You know, I've learned a lot of by doing press conferences. I've actually, my prediction have been spot on, and I can pick up a lot of things about someone's behavior, someone's attitude, and their MO prior to the fight. That shows a lot to me of how you're usually going to be prepared to go inside a ring just by doing these press conferences. I think Terrence is lacking a bit in confidence. I think the fact that people have been criticizing him for not being the best in, a comp- in this division has hurt him. I got that feeling that he's hurt by it and, and it's become a hindrance to him. I, I think that if Sean Porter comes out in this fight strong, very strong in the beginning of the fight, and he confuses Terrence. I could see, I could see Sean Porter winning this fight. So unless something drastically changes between now and November twentieth, I, I got Sean Porter winning this fight. And I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me on that. I'm going to be definitely in a minority in that because Terrence is the favorite to win this fight. And he is a sensational boxer, but I did not get that impression from him that he feels he's a sensational boxer. Me thinking about Terrence Bud Crawford as far as being a great boxer is not because he beat somebody. It's because of how great of a boxer he is in his skill set. 
he could have answered that question a lot of different ways. And to me, to say that you beat someone in the division to get a belt who isn't in your level isn't the reason why I would consider you to be a top welterweight. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? No, I think that's a very, you're kind of reading between the lines. Uh, I like that. Now, beating somebody in your same category, you know, it's, it's like being a, a college football team that's you know 15th in the country and you beat the number one team. You can say, hey, I beat somebody of a higher quality than what I started out as. Kind of the same principle here. But if you're talking about beating somebody that is what you're saying to me anyways, is they are a lower lower quality. They're not in the same ballpark as he is. You know, that good you beat them, but that doesn't really necessarily, like, what else you got kind of thing. So that, that's the way I would look at it. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and I, 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 you know, I know Terrence is a good possibility he's going to be listening to this and so is Sean. I got nothing but love for Terrence Bud Crawford and for Showtime Sean Porter. Nothing but love for both men. I wish them both the best. But here at the Allen and Aaron Sports like Radio Show, we don't lie to people. Whether you're a guest, whether you're an athlete, we be, we're fair in, in my assessment. And, I, you know, it's not hating. It's giving you a fair assessment of what's going on and what you notice. And, and with uh, Terrence, he, he needs to work on his confidence a bit. And that's the thing. He's not what you say. It's your, your body language, what you don't say sometimes. And, and you're right. You're like, you're absolutely right. It's like this. I play golf and I could see myself vision myself being a great golfer, shooting those birdies after birdies after birdies. And I could feel it coming. You know what I'm saying, Aaron? I could feel it yeah. coming. But until I actually do it, I cannot get the credit by people and affirmation from people of hitting multiple birdies until I actually done it. Until you actually, this is me talking about Terrence, until you actually beat the guys in your division that are the best, people are not going to give you the respect that you probably are looking for. You have, in order to beat a man, you have to beat the man. You got to earn it. You got to earn it. You got to earn it the hard way. And it starts with November 20th beating Sean Porter. If you can beat Sean Porter, that is a big win for you. Then from there, I would suggest you fighting either one of these three men, Keith Thurman, Ugas, or Errol Spence. One of those three guys are going to give you a fight. If you do beat, now granted, you, if you do beat Sean Porter, one of those three guys are going to give you a fight. And the last thing I'll say about Terrence is this. The last time that you did not show confidence in your own ability and kind of waffled with fighting Manny Pacquiao, you had regrets because you felt that you could have beat him and you probably should have beat him in that fight and you let the opportunity go to the wayside. Don't let the fear of, fear of failure define who you are. Fight through that and show people that you're the best. Just like how Bob Aram said in that interview. Go to our Facebook page. He gave you glaring remarks high praise that you can almost cannot give another boxer. You got to believe that in yourself. And that's what I have to say about the Sean Porter, Terrence Bud Crawford fight. Well, very good stuff there tonight for sure. So, well, it's been a busy week in uh, in the sports world. Obviously a lot of things uh, going on. Uh, certainly glad to be back here on the show. I know we'll be back again 
Uh, next week, I think you're going to be working remotely uh, next week. Yep. And then we'll be off the week of Thanksgiving. We have, I believe it's three shows in December. I'm looking at the calendar actually right now. So basically, we have just four shows left in the 2021 year. Next week, uh, the 3rd of December, 10th of December, and our final show in 2021 will be on December 17th. We'll make that a very special night, of course, uh, there just a week or so before uh, before Christmas. And then we'll be back on January the 7th. That'll be our first show for the 2022 year. So anything else to add here tonight? Yeah, I definitely want to thank uh, the support. We've been getting a lot of fans looking at our stuff, a lot of great comments. I'm going to tell our listening audience that you can go to our to my YouTube channel, Alan Alford, and get a lot of our show visual content. I know that Aaron had mentioned that, that we need to do some more video. But you'll see in that video, the YouTube channel, some of the videos that I put already on our Facebook page but you'll also see some of the full press conferences where you get a chance to see me ask the questions and those type of videos top rank. They don't really want you live streaming that during the press conference. I could take a little snippets here and there, but you'll get to see the full press conference. You'll get to see me ask the question and their facial expression and answer. So I know a lot of fans like to see that. So you can check Alan Alford and see a lot of our YouTube or video content. We're going to try to do a lot better job in putting up some more videos because we've gotten requests for that. And I want to thank a lot of the, the great things that fans have been saying about our show, uh, about how we're growing and how our show is doing well. And it's very appreciative. I, I thank all the people that support our show. I, I definitely try to respond to all the positive comments that I get. And I appreciate everybody listening to our show and and supporting the Allen and Aaron Sports Tech Radio Show and our guests. Absolutely, absolutely. Without them, we have no business being here. So, <laughs> um, so great. well, great show once again tonight. I uh, also want to thank you to uh, say thank you rather to uh, to Lou uh, for uh, spending a part of his evening here with us here on this Friday. Uh, for Lou and for Allen, this is Aaron signing off, and everybody have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to the Evan Aaron's Post Talk Podcast. <laughs> Subscribe and check us out on your favorite social media platform. Thank you. <laughs>